When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This is the Beer Bob and Sue podcast. Stories from our. <sighs> Did you say Beer Bob and Sue? <laughs> you said Beer Bob and Sue. It's nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Why does Bob get to be Beer Bob? Can I be Beer Matt? <laughs> You want to try Stories that again? from our journey to all the breweries in the U.S. <laughs> Let's start afresh. I think they call that a Freudian slip. This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast. Stories from our journey to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. In this episode, we'll be talking about the incredible north and south rims of Grand Canyon National Park, one of the most visited parks in the country, and one of the seven natural wonders of the world. Both the North Rim and the South Rim are must-see destinations, but they're very different and each one has its own unique character. The South Rim is where most people experience the Grand Canyon, but while you might think you've seen it all after gazing down into the canyon, you don't want to miss the less developed rugged scenery of the North Rim. That's right. We encourage you to visit them both. And coming up next, we'll give you all the information you need to plan your trip. Karen, I'm excited about this episode because it kind of takes us back to where all of this national park business started, at least for us. I know. It was one of the first parks we went to. I think Rocky Mountain, of course, with our kids was first, but it was pretty close to, I don't know, maybe it was the second or third one. You had tried to talk me into visiting the Grand Canyon a couple of times and you know, busy with work and not enough time to travel or do that thing. You know, I, we kind of put it off. But when we finally went about 20 years ago and we went to the South Rim, I remember looking over the rim of the canyon in, you know, into the Grand Canyon and thinking, this is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And it kind of got us thinking, cer- certainly got me thinking, you know, there are a lot of incredible places in the United States. We need to go see them. Hello. Yes. <laughs> what are you doing over there? <laughs> yes, and I'm sorry. I was I had a flashback. That was the trip where you bought your very first passport stamp book in the in the visitor center. I got so excited. 
<laughs> that I don't think I declared that we're going to go see all the national parks right there and then, but I got so excited that in the visitor center, I discovered the national park passport book and this idea that each of them have a stamp or multiple stamps and that you collect them. I bought that book right away. And you were a little confused because uh, you thought that the books were for children. Yes, I wasn't familiar with that. I thought you were doing something that, like, it's for little kids. <laughs> and you thought, well, like, why am I buying this? Who is that for? Right. I may have made fun of you at the time, for which I am publicly apologizing, because now, of course, I have a passport stamp book, and I'm pretty much obsessed with it. But I also remember, after you picked it up, the the passport book, and we got in line to pay for it. I remember you were talking to the ranger who was ringing up the sale, and you asked her something about, now, where do I go to get the stamp to put in this? And she immediately took out a closed sign. Closed her, closed her line. Closed her line with people still in it and took you all the way around to the table where the stamp was. She was right. so excited to show you. She closed her line, and she took me over to the stamp station, gave me the whole tutorial. yes. While I was, well, <laughs> I was looking while at you the were postcards, <laughs> looking in the corner, out of the corner of your eye, but that's where it all started. I know, and look where it went from there. It's been incredible. So yes, it's kind of fun to remember these parks. I think we all have these instances where the parks just spurred something in us to to go and see more and to explore more. And certainly, Grand Canyon is one of those places. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the South Rim. So the purpose of this episode is to talk about the South Rim, but also compare and contrast it with the North Rim, because the South Rim's more popular. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to talk about both because they're different, and each one is amazing in its own right. Definitely. If you're able to, you should see both. And and we'll we'll give you some reasons why throughout this episode. One thing, though, that I think a lot of people don't realize is that Visiting the North Rim and the South Rim in the same day is harder than you might think. Because as the crow flies, Grand Canyon Village on the South Rim and the lodge over at the North Rim are only about 10 miles apart. But of course, nobody is flying (laughs) like a crow over there. So to drive from one to the other, you have to drive around the park, over the Colorado River and loop around. And that is about 225 miles. Or on the park website, they tell you to expect it to take about five hours to drive from, from one rim to the other. I think that includes some bathroom breaks, or at least a bathroom break at Cameron Trading Post. <laughs> maybe. And, and maybe ordering some Navajo fried bread tacos for lunch. Yes, so yes. So part that of the five hours. Also, it kind of depends where you start on the South Rim, because it's a big area. So if you're closer to the east entrance, it's going to take you less time than if you're smack dab in the chaos of the village. Anyway, that is the driving distance between the two. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough to do both of those in one day. I, I, I'm i not sure I'd recommend that because you're, I don't think you're going to have enough time to do either very well if you try to do that in the same day. Right. You could certainly do it in the same trip. If you have lodging in either or both places, then sure, definitely see them both. But I think it wouldn't be a day trip to see both of them. That's for sure. It's too far. I always wonder, though, when we go to the Grand Canyon, we've been there many times. I wonder, how did this area become a park? Like, when did we decide as a nation to make this 
a special protected place? And I, I just don't know the answer to that. You know, Matt, that is such a good question. You are a thoughtful, intelligent person. And let me tell you the answer to that. Since... Oh, you, you're prepared with an answer? <laughs> I have a very brief history channel today because I think a lot of people are wondering the same thing. So President Benjamin Harris, now we don't hear a lot from him about the no. national parks. <laughs> no, no. I, I thought he started a paint company. Is there? No, that's Benjamin Moore. Moore okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah, the, he's not the paint guy. Okay, but President Benjamin Harris, he he did something really great. He first protected the Grand Canyon back in 1893 by renaming it Grand Canyon Forest Reserve. So kudos to him for recognizing that this is a place we need to protect. That's right. And then in 1903, Teddy Roosevelt, President Theodore Roosevelt, visited, and then he named it a national monument in 1908. And fast forward to 1919, when President Woodrow Wilson changed the status to a national park. And of course, Grand Canyon celebrated their 100-year national park anniversary just two years ago in, in uh, what, 2019? Yeah, so it took our presidents a few whacks at it, but Mm -hmm. then finally it became a (laughs) national park, and so that's great. And now, like we said, it's one of the seven natural wonders of the world. Of course it needs to be a national park. Of course, and it should be someplace that is in everyone's bucket to see at least sometime in their life. Well, it's in at least 4 million people's buckets every year because that's how many (laughs) visitors they get, or at least they did last year. And I think that's actually a low number. I think COVID played a part in that because I saw a few years before that they had 6 million visitors a year. So it is a very popular place. And most of these visitors are going to the South Rim. That's right. The National Park Service says only about 10% of the visitors to the Grand Canyon go to the North Rim. And that is one of the big differences that we're going to cover today is the number of people who go to North Rim versus South Rim and the the completely different environment that is at these two places because of the number of people. A few other things we'll be talking about that's that's very different would be the number of lodges, restaurants, and other services. Yeah, and things like how far you can walk along the rim uh, when these places are open. The South Rim's open all year round, but the North Rim, the Lodge, Visitor Center, and other services are only open from May 15th to October 15th. Right. And that would be a factor in the smaller number of visitors, because obviously there's a much smaller window to visit the North Rim. Right. But let's talk. You want to to do the North Rim first? You want to talk about that one? Right. So North Rim, it's more remote. Uh, There's one highway leading to it, to Highway 67. Uh, It's also a thousand feet higher in elevation than the South Rim, at least a thousand feet. So the South Rim's about 7,000 feet, which is pretty high in and of itself, but the North Rim is over 8,000. It's colder, mm-hmm. it's more forested. And so that's one of the reasons why it's closed for such a big part of the year is because they get a tremendous amount of snow up there. And they close the road at Jacob Lake and then they wait for the snow to melt and to, and to get that road cleared. Yeah, one interesting thing about the North Rim, South Rim dynamic, we learned this a, a couple years ago, is that since the North Rim is a thousand feet higher, that is the source of water for the South Rim. So they use gravity to their advantage. They've literally run a pipe from the North Rim. It goes down the canyon, across the river, and back up the south side of the canyon. And 
That's where the south rim gets all of its water. And we found this out a few years ago because we were trying to hike rim to rim and they closed the trail up to the north rim because the pipe broke. And there was kind of an emergency because they thought possibly the south rim was going to run out of water. Yeah, that was back in 2012. And as we were on our way driving to the Grand Canyon to the North Rim, we got a call from the lodge canceling our reservation. Yeah, so everyone calls this the rim to rim hike. So you're starting on one side of the canyon, you're hiking all the way down to the river, then back up the other, and that's rim to rim. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a popular thing to do. People even try to do it, timing it, uh, trying to do it in the least amount of time. I think the, the record is... Gosh, I mean, something like in the three hours and something, incredible amount of time. We don't suggest that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, because total distance is about, what, 21 miles total. It's not advised to do it in one day. And so we, it's taken us a long time to reschedule this hike because it's so incredibly difficult to get overnight reservations at Phantom Ranch. Right. So we said that the North Rim is more remote. It is essentially an hour south of the Jacob Lake area. So there's a campground and an inn there. If you're familiar with Kanab, Utah, it's about an hour and 45 minutes, maybe two hours south of Kanab. Yeah, the last time we visited the North Rim, we were actually staying in Kanab and we drove in from there. And it, that is a great opportunity to do a day trip to the North Rim, just the North Rim from right. Kanab if you're staying in Kanab. Yeah, and, and of course, people uh, who are visiting this area often are doing other things, visiting other destinations. For instance, if you're in Zion National Park from that little town of Springdale, it's about a three-hour drive to the North Rim. If you're on the east side of Zion National Park, that east east entrance, if you're leaving from there, it's a little bit shorter, maybe two hours, 45 minutes. It's about two and a half hours from Page, Arizona. And if you are flying in to visit the Grand Canyon and the North Rim is your destination, it's about four and a half hours from the Las Vegas airport. Mm -hmm. But uh, that would be the closest airport, right? Yeah. The closest big airport. Uh, Salt Lake City, I don't know exactly mm -hmm. how far it is. I think that airport's maybe six-hour drive. Mm -hmm. If you're going to fly in, I would recommend, uh, I mean, to a major airport, I would recommend Las Vegas. I know the little town of St. George has an airport. but mm -hmm. And Flagstaff. That's right, Flagstaff. Mm -hmm. But then you have to go all the way around. Right. Yeah, I think Las Vegas would be your closest, your best bet. So... Matt, as you mentioned, there's one road that takes you to the North Rim where the uh, services are, where the lodge is, right. and that is uh, Highway 67. It started back in 1927 as a dirt road, um, but by 1935, the road had been improved to a gravel road, and then it was paved in 1938. And in 1941, the road was designated a state highway and the name was officially signed as State Route 67. So State Route 67, it's closed from December 1st to May 15th. So the North Rim Lodge closes October 15th, but the road doesn't close until December 1st. And of course, that depends on the weather. And they close the highway, not at the park entrance, but back at Jacob Lake, which is 44 miles from the lodge or the North Rim. So uh, the, the park is not closed. You can go in the park. Matter of fact, you can actually use the campground at the North Rim. You just have to hoof it the 45 miles from where the road's closed. 
However, you do need to get a backcountry permit from the South Rim Backcountry Information Center. On the park website, there's a number you can call, and there's also an email that you can send to them to to get this backcountry permit to camp. I think the main reason they don't close the campground is because people who are doing rim to rim from the South Rim, so if it's April, let's say end of April, and you're doing rim to rim, you could come up, I think, conceivably at the North Rim and, right. and sleep in the campground, right? Yeah, Of you course, could. you can't drive out, so then you'd have to do go back, go back rim to rim the right. way you came. Now, if you're thinking about doing this going in from Jacob Lake in the winter time or when it's closed, some websites will tell you that it's 30 miles from Jacob Lake to the North Rim. That's to the entrance of the park. There's still another 14 miles from the park entrance to the rim. That would be a long way to snowshoe in the winter. Also, just a note that snowmobiles are not allowed in the park by park visitors. So, yeah, that's that's a long. That would be a multi-day snowshoe trek for us, forty-four miles. Right, and and if you <laughs> if you are planning this trip and you're using our podcast as your sole source of information for doing this, um, don't. <laughs> you need to find other information and consult experts and maybe take a couple of them with you on that trip. So mm-hmm. I think go. I think this would be a good time to tell the story, the amazing story of Karen Klein. What do you think? Yeah, you know that story. You've done the research on that. Yeah, it is an amazing story. We were fascinated when this first came out, which was in 2016 at Christmas time. So what happened was this woman from Pennsylvania named Karen Klein was in Las Vegas on a trip with her husband and her 10-year-old son. And they decided they wanted to visit the North Rim of the Grand Canyon. I'm guessing, and I'm I'm guessing here that they didn't realize that it was closed uh, and how much snow there would be. So they start driving towards the North Rim. But of course, before they got to the section that was closed, their GPS alerted them that they couldn't go that way and, and routed them down another Forest Service road. So they started down that road, and because there was so much snow, they immediately got stuck in deep snow. And, of course, out there, there's no cell service. And I'm sure in the winter, there's got to be nobody around. Yeah, this is why we always suggest if you're going down these remote roads any time of the year, you need to be able to self-rescue. Absolutely. Have a plan. Mm -hmm. So this was December 22nd. So they decided, apparently her husband had just had a back injury. So they decided that Karen would be the one to go for help. And he would stay in the car with their son. Oh, that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) Only he would fake the back injury. Yeah. I'm not feeling too good today. (laughs) Could you hike the 50 miles through the deep snow and find, find somebody to Come dig us out. Yeah. <laughs> Did I mention that this particular Karen was a triathlete? <laughs> like you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like me. She was also, uh, apparently from the story, she was also a very um, outdoor naturalist type of person because she knew a lot of stuff. She ate twigs. But I'm you, getting ahead you, of myself. You again. Yes. Right. Me again. So Karen sets off. And... Of course, it starts to snow again, and night falls, and now she is lost, and she is floundering through the snow in the middle of the wilderness. She said she ate twigs from a tree. She tried to, uh, she put snow in her mouth and just tried to let it melt so she'd have water because she basically has nothing with her. And at one point, get this, Matt, at one point on this trek, 
which ends up being 26 miles. She loses a shoe. Oh. <laughs> I know. It, you can't even you believe this. I How know. do you lose a shoe? So now she's floundering in, I think they said it was three feet of snow, no shoe, lost, completely lost. But somehow she ends up cross country. She does end up at the ticket booth that takes you into the mm. National Park, the North Rim. And about 100 yards away, there was a cabin. So she broke a window, let herself into the cabin. Again, this is she has been out for 26 hours. There's a bed. Of course, there's no electricity. There's no heat. And she collapses on the bed. Then are there three bears to come, come visit this cabin? <laughs> I've heard this story before. You're getting it mixed up. Okay. Okay, so let's go back to the car where her husband and son are waiting. At some point, I think her husband, after you know maybe a day had passed, he decided he needs to go for help. So he sets off, and it didn't take him long before he got in cell phone range. So he called for help. And a pizza, I, I would just say. Like, what? <laughs> if you're coming all the way out here, could you bring a pizza with you? Right. <laughs> so rescuers come out, and they start searching for her on snowmobiles. Fortunately, they can follow her tracks. They follow her all the way to this North Rim entrance where they kind of lose her tracks and they start searching for it. They find the cabin. They find her. This is at 3 a.m. on Christmas Eve. And she was alive. And what is amazing is Karen Klein made a 100% full recovery. They said that the rescuer said it was a Christmas miracle. Christmas Eve miracle. A Christmas yeah. Eve miracle. Yeah. So they, they radioed to her son and her husband. Gosh, it makes me want to cry because I'm sure, can you imagine what they were thinking? That she was alive and she was fine. They, they flew her to a hospital. She recovered. I know she was on some talk shows. She was on Good Morning America. So what an incredible story. But... <laughs> I think we can all learn something from this. Yeah, definitely send your wife out to go <laughs> no, get help. No, 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 no. Your wife. <laughs> take, take an extra pair of shoes. <laughs> Let me just say, Matt, your Karen would not have fared so well. There there would be no 26 miles of a trek. <laughs> well, you, you lost a shoe one time going get the mail. So. <laughs> and I didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it would not have been a happy ending in our case, but... It certainly was in theirs. But I think, yeah, the lesson is don't go to the North Room in the winter unless you're equipped and planning to snowshoe somewhere and you have, of course, um, all kinds of emergency supplies. Yeah. Take a pizza with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great story. So another thing that I love about the North Room that is different than the South Rim, Karen, is you got to love this. They have bison. I knew you would love that. <laughs> I think this is a fantastic story. This is another, this is just another reason why I like bison so much. This herd started out over in the House Rock Valley area. That's kind of the area where we go to hike Buckskin Gulch and mm -hmm. to the Wave. And they were brought there in the early 1900s by Charles Buffalo Jones. So he brought. 86 bison, and they were caught in Texas and New Mexico. Some of them came from Kansas, Nebraska, and even some of them came from Canada. And then in the 1920s, the bison were sold to the Arizona Game and Fish Department. And then over the decades, the herd grew. Now, fast forwarding to the 1990s, controlled hunting of the bison was allowed in order to manage the herd size. So this combined with fires in the area caused a lot of the bison to migrate up to the north rim of the Grand Canyon. They decided 
we're going to go up in elevation. So they just moseyed on up and ended up in Grand Canyon National Park. They just walked themselves in? This has happened before. <laughs> I know the Henry Mountains there in southern Utah, they also have bison. And they, they started in the Dirty Devil River Valley. And they just saw the mountains and they're like, we're going to go up there. So <laughs> the bison rumped, but they're not, they're not native of the area. And they do some damage to the ecosystem. And so the, the park has decided they need to reduce the size of this herd. It, not too long ago, it was as many as 800 animals. And so they have a goal to bring that down to 200. And so they've been working on it year after year. Since reduction efforts began in 2018, the park has transferred 124 bison from the North Rim to six different American Indian tribes through the Intertribal Buffalo Council. You know, I think that's such a great program, and it's a wonderful way to rehome these bison, find good homes for them. Yeah, I know a lot of the tribal nations, they are starting their own uh, bison herds, and and a lot of them are coming from these public lands. I think that's fantastic. You know, the last time we were there at the North Rim, we saw a big group of the bison grazing not too far from that main road. And of course, we had to pull over and get out and take some photos. (laughs) Yeah, it's always a good day when there's a bison sighting. That's for sure. Okay, let's talk about lodging on the North Rim. And that's easy because there is only one place to stay, and that's the Grand Canyon Lodge. The Grand Canyon Lodge was built in 1927-28, and it consisted at the time of this main lodge, and it had 100 standard cabins, 20 deluxe cabins. And in 1932, so not that long after it was built, The main lodge and some of the deluxe cabins burned down. And so uh, they started the process of rebuilding it. They didn't rebuild those particular cabins, but they rebuilt the main lodge and they tried to keep the look and feel and the character the same as the original lodge. But yeah, that lodge that's there, it's spectacular, but it's the second one that they had built on the rim. Yeah, and boy, you sure can't tell going into it. It It looks completely original. It's absolutely beautiful as are the cabins. The cabins are a dream to stay in. So the lodge offers three different types of cabins plus motel rooms. And the cabins vary a little bit. Some have porches and are closer to the rim. Some don't have front porches. So if you're interested in, you can look at the types and the photos on the website. The lodging website is Grand Canyon Forever. Yeah. And definitely look at the details of the cabins because they're not all the same. So, uh, you know, you could book a cabin and then don't want you to be disappointed when you get there. It's different than the other, you know, some of the cabins you see in the photos. Pay attention to what type of cabin you're you're booking. Anyway, the reservations for these cabins essentially go up a year ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And they do book up right away. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> if you don't get your reservation right as soon as uh, they come up for availability, then you're going to be chasing cancellations you yeah. know, forever. But We have a cabin reserved for this coming October. And when I got on, you know, a year ahead to book it, I got on at the exact second the reservations open. I think it was like 7 a.m. And I was ready on my computer. I kept hitting refresh. I grabbed the cabin I wanted. I put it in my cart. And I'm typing in our credit card information as fast as I can. And when I hit book, it's like, oh, your cabin's gone. 
And so I did it again, and I did it again. It was the most frustrating thing. So I'm just <laughs> just warning everyone that if you want to reserve one of these, you have to be on the second that they go up for grabs. Right. So go to the Grand Canyon Forever website and check mm-hmm. out the dates. I'll just give you a few examples here. So for May 15th through May 31st of 2023, those reservations came up for availability on May 2nd of this year, 2022. June of 2023, that's June 1st to the end of that month, those go up for sale on June 1st of 2022 and and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. So what else is at the North Rim? They have a beautiful visitor center and they also have a gift store. I know we spent some time in the gift store. (laughs) They they do. They uh, just for people who are out there and I know it's a remote area, uh, there is a gas station. I haven't seen that gas station, but they say there's a gas station by the campground. So just in case you're out there and you're running low on gas, you should be able to get gas. They also have a few places to eat. The main lodge has a dining room. It serves breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They do take reservations. There's also a deli and a Rough Rider saloon. They have snacks and cold beverages. And there is a coffee saloon. Mm -hmm. So two saloons. That's right. Now, all of this can change, of course. When we were last there, it was uh, this past September. And because of COVID, some of these little places um, were closed. So it kind of depends on when you're going to go. And you'll have to check the details on the Grand Canyon Lodge website to see what's open. Now, there is actually, Karen, another place to stay on the North Rim. Yes, you could camp. You could camp. There's a campground on the North Rim. It's called the North Rim Campground. It's operated (laughs) operated by the Park Service. It's about 8,200 feet. Uh, So in the summer, the temperatures are mild because of the elevation, but also there's frequent thunderstorms. They, They list that on the website just to let you know. The sites can be reserved for the dates of May 15th through October 15th on recreation.gov. And there are no walk-up sites. So you have to have a reservation. Yeah. Now, Mm -hmm. outside of those dates, like we said, I think that the campground's open to people who essentially hike or snowshoe in. Sure. I mean, there's no driving in, so you you have to hoof it in there somehow. Um, And then what it says, there are no water or electric hookups at any of the sites. Yeah, there's a few ADA sites. Um, There are a few sites that can accommodate up to a 40-foot RV. And I think there's uh, showers and laundry service up there. So anyway, there's the campground as an alternative to where to stay on the North Rim. Mm -hmm. Since we're talking about camping, this would be a perfect time to mention how great it is to have rumple blankets with you on a camping trip. Yes, whether you're camping in a tent or a trailer, it's always nice to have an extra layer of coziness to throw over you. The reason Rumple Blankets feel so cozy is because they make them out of the same durable, washable material used in puffy jackets and premium sleeping bags. You know, I can just see myself wrapped up in my Rumple Blanket, sitting on one of the cabin porches on the North Rim. And where am I in this little fantasy? (laughs) Oh, you're right next to me with your own Rumple Blanket. Besides the fact that they're warm and cozy, I love it that each Rumple Blanket is made from 60 recycled water bottles. In fact, they recycle over 5 million plastic water bottles a year to offset their carbon footprint. 
And Rumpel is running a 25% off sale through the end of May. That's 2022. And for our listeners, if you use the code DEARSALE at checkout, you'll get a free beer blanket. That's D-E-A-R-S-A-L-E. A beer blanket? Yes. It's actually a tiny blanket for your beer. It's, it's like a koozie. Oh, I need to get one of those. Yes. So check out all the blankets on www.rumpel.com. That's R-U-M-P-L. Now let's talk about one of our favorite subjects, which would be hiking, the North Rim Trails. Yeah, there, there are several trails on the North Rim that stay up on the rim. Mm-hmm. But there is one and only one trail that goes all the way down to the river, and that's the North Kaibab Trail. Kaibab. I, I call it Kaibab because it's the <laughs> Dear Bob and Sue podcast, so we're going to call it Kaibab. It's Kaibab. I thought it was Beer Bob. Is it Kaibab, Kaibab, Beer, Beer Bob? Bob, Beer Matt, <laughs> and not the Dear Bab and Sue podcast. The North Kaibab Trail. And it's what, about 14 miles down to the river, to the Colorado River, and descends almost 6,000 feet. When we were there, we, so we have never hiked that. Again, we, we will be doing it this October. But when we were there last September, we just wanted to take a look at it. So we hiked down a few miles to see what it was like. You know, if you're there, you could certainly hike as much or as little as you want. Of course, 14 miles down, you know, it's very steep. And that is not advised by anyone at the Grand Canyon to hike down to the river and back in one day. Oh, no, no, no. That that would be a long, long hike. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to do that, you might as well just go back up to the South Rim. Yeah. Because that's actually shorter than going down and back up to the the North Rim. Yeah. Yeah, so there's some hiking opportunities. You know, the main one that most people do is the Bright Angel Point Trail. So from the lodge, it's only about a half mile round trip and it takes you out on the the spine of the ridge to Bright Angel Point. Now the trail is kind of steep in a few places and it does have some drop-offs and some stairs, but it also has incredible views. Now in comparison, the South Rim Trail is over 13 miles. So that's one of the big differences is that in the North Rim, your your view of the Grand Canyon is is much more concentrated to a smaller area than it would be on the South Rim. And if you don't want to hike to the rims or hike along the rim on the north side, there is a scenic drive. There's uh, one road that leads away from the visitor center, uh, and then it separates into two separate drives. There's one that goes to Point Imperial, and that's uh, 11 miles one way from the visitor center. And it has an overlook at the end of that spur of the road with with the trailhead, and there's there's a trail over there. And then if you take the other fork in the road, you can go on the Cape Royal Drive, and that's 23 miles one way from the visitor center. Uh, and there's several overlooks along the way on that. that yeah, one. beautiful drives. Also, another way to, to see some sights if you don't want to walk would be to ride on the back of a mule. <laughs> That's right. They they <laughs> offer mule rides anywhere from one hour to three hours. Some of those routes stay up on the rim. And I think there's one that actually kind of goes down the North Kaibab. Um, so you can check out the website at canyonrides.com to see what, uh, what they offer. Uh, just, just check the details cause there is a weight limit 
uh, for some of those rides. And an age limit, too. Yeah. I think that would be fun. All right. So I think we've pretty much covered the North Rim. This is a beautiful area, much less crowded. It's forested, very peaceful. And now we'll transition over to the South Rim, which is completely different. (laughs) I love the South Rim. Personally, I think the views into the canyon are actually better on the South Rim. And maybe that's why it's much more crowded because it's it's much bigger. There are tour buses. There's a village. There's several lodges. There's restaurants. I mean, it's it's an established village. It is definitely a village. And if you if you drive there, just know that there is a lot of parking, and it's always full. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of parking and a lot of people. So even though the parking lots are are fairly generous, you still might struggle with finding a parking spot. Right. As we mentioned, the Grand Canyon, the South Rim is open year round, and there's a wide variety of weather. I know we have seen photos from the winter when it has snowed there, and I would actually love to go and see the Grand Canyon in the snow. I would too. We've typically been there in September, October, um, March, April, so either the fall or the spring, which is really great weather, usually. Yeah. I think in the summer, it gets pretty hot. Well, well like we said before, the South Rim's about 7,000 feet. So that's that's pretty high in and of its own right. As far as uh, how far the South Rim is for major points of interest close by, Williams, Arizona, for instance, is about an hour and 20 minutes away. Flagstaff is about an hour and 45 minutes. Either way you go, if you come go from Flagstaff coming into the park from the east or the south. From the Las Vegas airport, it's about the same as the North Rim. It's about four hours, 45 minutes, maybe five hours, depending on traffic. Uh, the Phoenix Air- Airport is only about four hours away. So that, that would actually be your, your mm-hmm. closest. Yeah. A lot of stuff to see and do at the South Rim. Uh, there is a very big, nice visitor center. And there are also some smaller, um, gosh, I don't know, what would you call? There was like a, a smaller ranger station we went in. Yeah, and the, uh, kind of gift stores. Like we said, there's a lot of infrastructure there. One of the gift stores that we really like is that Hopi House. Oh, right it, next it, to the El Tovar. Yeah, it's across the parking lot from there. And it looks like this ancient Puebloan building. But in fact, it was actually built in 1905. And it was designed by Mary Coulter. I don't know if we've talked about Mary Coulter on other episodes. But she is the architect who designed both Phantom Ranch, which is down by the river at the bottom of the canyon, and the Desert View Watchtower that's also on the South Rim. Yeah, it's a a very interesting building. And it's a great place to find Native American gifts. Yes, and they have some of the most beautiful um, Navajo rugs you will ever see. We spent my 50th birthday at the Grand Canyon at the South Rim, and I remember I picked out one of those beautiful rugs as my gift, and it's hanging on our wall. So if you like the Native American crafts and jewelry and rugs, definitely check out the Hopi House. It's incredible. Now, there are several lodges on the South Rim. We talked about the El Tovar. And it was also built in 1905, mm-hmm. and it's the oldest hotel operating within the Grand Canyon. I mean, it was it was built, gosh, even before the Grand Canyon was made a, a national park. It's, it's a full-on 
cool hotel slash lodge right there on the rim. Yeah, it's one of our favorites. We talked about it in our episode about um, our favorite national park lodges. So, so we always try to stay at the El Tovar. And just a tip, they have a fabulous dining room where you can have dinner. Uh, you do need to make reservations ahead of time. But we also, we like to eat in the bar because that's the kind of people we are. Yeah, they have a, at a happy hour. <laughs> they have a more limited menu, obviously. But we're perfectly happy having drinks and food in the bar. And then just you just take a really short walk, like 20 paces, and you're at the rim of the Grand Canyon. So pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. We sat there in the lounge one time and watched a thunderstorm come through Mm -hmm. and then then watched all of the rainbows pop up. And that was just amazing because then we could, after a couple beers, run outside and stand (laughs) on the edge of the rim looking at the at the rainbows. Yes. But if you can't get reservations at El Tovar, all the lodges, you know, in, in the Grand Canyon South Rim area are great. There's Kachina Lodge, Bright Angel Lodge, Yavapai Lodge, Thunderbird Lodge, and Maswick Lodge. All great places. I think we've stayed in most of those as well. Yeah, a lot of capacity there, a lot of rooms, but those lodges book up quickly also. Mm-hmm. So any any lodging reservations you want to make, South Rim or North Rim, do it early as possible. Right. At least a year. Those might even go up 13 months ahead. So check the website if you're interested so you don't miss the the day that they go up for grabs. Almost all of these lodges can be booked on grandcanyonlodges.com. There's also camping on the South Rim. The Mather Campground is in the South Rim Village. You can book those sites on recreation.gov. There's 327 campsites. Uh, It's a pretty large facility. They've got plenty of space for RVs, although there are no hookups. And close by there, there is a little uh, deli and market. There's also uh, adjacent is the Trailer Village RV Park. The Trailer Village RV, that's a separate website to uh, re- make those reservations. It's visitgrandcanyon.com. Uh, so the campsites are recreation.gov. The RV park is visitgrandcanyon.com. Okay. And there's another uh, campground out at the Desert View by the Desert View Watchtower towards the east entrance of the park, right? That has 49 campsites. Uh, they can accommodate tents or smaller RVs or vehicles with small travel trailers. And again, those are reservable on recreation.gov. Yeah, that campsite is not open all year long. It's only, I think, mid-April through mid-October. So check out recreation.gov for the details there. Okay. So one of the unique things about the South Rim, too, is because it's so big and spread out and there are so many people, they have a wonderful shuttle system that you can use. And no tickets are required. Um, it's free. There, a portion of your entrance fee pays for, for the shuttle service. Yeah, these buses arrive at each stop every 15 to 30 minutes, um, and they have... Four bus routes, so we won't we won't explain all of those. You can go on the National Park Service website and search for shuttles and, and get all the details. But they have a blue route, an orange route, a red route, and then they have a hikers express shuttle. And the reason they have this, it, it goes from the village to the trailhead of the South Kaibab Trail, and a lot of times people who are going to hike rim to rim, use that South Kaibab Trail that's a little bit away from the village. And instead of having to walk the few miles to that, they can take this Hiker Express shuttle. Right, because you can't park there. You can't park mm-hmm. there. So you can save a, a few miles of your hike by taking that shuttle. Right. 
So one of our favorite things to do is drive along the South Rim Drive, which is called the Desert View Drive. It runs for 23 miles from the main village area. It runs east-west, and it will take you out the east entrance to Highway 89. And there are a lot of things to see along that drive. Yeah, there's uh, six developed canyon viewpoints uh, for picnic areas. There's five unmarked pullouts. Uh, there's a Tuzian Museum and Ruin site. We've done that. That's, mm-hmm, that that's, was interesting. That was kind of cool. And one of the uh, other interesting things along that drive is the Desert View Watchtower. And again, this is an interesting piece of architecture. It looks like an ancient Puebloan uh, ruin, but it was built in 1932. It was also designed by Mary Coulter. Yes, that's one of my favorite stops to make of any because you you have this cool watchtower that you can go into and, and look around. Sometimes you're allowed to go up the stairs to the top and sometimes it's closed. So it d- just depends when you go. But um, the views from that outside patio are incredible. And it's one of the only places along the rim where you can spot the Colorado River. Right, and I think when we did our Dory trip through the Grand Canyon on the Colorado River, it was one of the only man-made structures we could see up on the rim from the boat. Yeah, definitely want to stop at the Desert View Watchtower. So let's briefly touch on the hiking trails at the South Rim. Yeah, and now when we talk about trails, just uh, keep in mind, I read this statistic the other day, that the National Park Service conducts over 250 rescues each year in the Grand Canyon. Many of those are hikers on these trails. So be aware of the fact that you're at, you're high up in elevation. Uh, these trails can, can be steep and, and difficult at times. And in the summer, the heat can be really uh, dangerous. So keep yeah. that in mind. One of the most popular, of course, is the Bright Angel Trail. And this is this is one of the trails that go all the way down to the river. A lot of people do it when they hike rim to rim. Here's the thing, though. You could do, there is a rest stop at one and a half miles along the trail. So you could hike down one and a half miles. And then, of course, remember, you have to hike back up. There's also another rest stop and water available at the three-mile mark. So if you're feeling ambitious, you could go down three miles and back up. And the next area of note is Indian Garden. But that's about four and a half miles. And that that's a tough day hike because that's nine miles. And yep. the coming up from Indian Garden, I thought, was extremely difficult. Yeah, that's a, that's a challenging hike. But uh, that Indian Garden's campground, it's got water, it's established, it's mm-hmm. got a little ranger station. I mean, if you really did need help with something, like you're out of water, or out of electrolytes, you could probably get help there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's... Four and a half miles down, four and a half miles back up. That's that's a good day of hiking. That is. And the other trail, of course, that goes down to the river is the South Kaibab. Some people take this when they're doing rim to rim. This one is steeper. It's a little bit shorter, but it's steeper. And we have not done it because, as we mentioned, there is no parking there. It's, it's miles away from the village, and so you have to take a shuttle. So that is just something we have never had time to try as a day hike, you know, maybe hike a few miles down. But I would really like to do it. I'd like to see what it looks like. And hikers should know that there is no water available along this trail. So even if you're hiking down a mile or two, be sure to pack a lot of water. Right. And of course, you have the incredible South Rim Trail, which runs for 
Gosh, I think I wrote it down. It runs for like 13 miles. <laughs> yeah, it goes for a long way along the South Rim. From the South Kaibab Trail to Hermit's Rest, most of it's paved and accessible. And, you know, of course, once you get away from the lodges and the restaurants, there aren't as many people. And you can actually find some solitude along the South Rim. Right. One of our favorite things to do is just to start taking that straight west from the village. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, after a mile or so, you're kind of all by yourself. Yeah, I mean, you see people every now and then. There's a road that kind of parallels the trail up there. You know, you never really see it. I mean, you see it in a couple of places, but you do feel like you're out, out in the wilderness. To uh, Hermit, you're talking about Hermit's Rest. Well, yeah, that whole road. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, what some people do, instead of you could hike from the village up to Hermit's Rest, which is Gosh, it's like seven or eight miles up there Mm -hmm. and then back. So that's a long day of hiking. What some people do is they'll take the shuttle all the way to the end up there by Hermit's Rest, which is far west end, and then they hike back to the village. And so it's pretty much just all downhill. Mm -hmm. So they avoid the the elevation gain. Right. We've done a big section of that, and the views are amazing. And what most people do is they just ride the shuttle. So the shuttle service starts at 4.30 a.m., and it runs until one hour after sunset. And so what a lot of people do is they'll get on the shuttle. The shuttle stops at all these various overlooks. So people will get off. They'll walk over to the overlook you know, look down, take some photos, come back. If the shuttle has left, there's another shuttle, you know, coming up behind it and they'll get on another one. So so that's a great thing to do. Nothing wrong with that. But but like you said, Matt, I think the thing to do is take the shuttle to the top and then just hike along the rim that's seven miles down. And you'll miss a lot of people who are only getting off at the at these shuttle stops. Right. Just keep in mind, though, it makes a lot of stops. And from the village to Hermit's Rest, even though it's only, I don't know, seven, eight, nine miles up there, the bus can take, you know, 40, 45 minutes to get to the top. Right. Because of the stops that it makes at the nine canyon overlooks. Right. Sure. What is the deal with, is that now closed to cars all the time? Are there certain times you can drive your car up there? The website says that you can drive your own car up there from December 1st to February 28th, depending on the weather. Well, that makes sense because the shuttle only runs from March 1st through November 30th. You know, another fun thing you can do on the South Rim, uh, we've talked about doing this, we never have, is you could take the train to the South Rim. There is a Grand Canyon Railway There's actually a hotel there, and then they have a train that goes from Williams, Arizona, which is about an hour south of the park village, up to the park. And God, it leaves like at 9.30 and returns at 5.45. At least that's what their website says. Yeah, you go up there, you take the train, it's a cool train ride, and then you have several hours up at the South Rim to look at the rim and do, you know, whatever tourist stuff you want to do at the rim and then you take the train back i think that would be really fun yeah yeah we should try that sometime i love a good train ride yeah their their website is easy to remember thetrain.com so check that out there you go now one of the reasons i think that the south rim is so crowded is because visitors also stay outside the park there are hotels 20 minutes south in the area called tusion And of course, also a lot of people even stay in Flagstaff and come in for day trips or they stay in Sedona or other places. So it it gets a lot of traffic that the North Rim doesn't get just because the North Rim is so much more remote. 
So if you're having trouble finding lodging right there on the South Rim, check out the, that little town of Tuzian. We've we've stayed there several times. Yeah. And yeah. it's not that far. Right. One of the coolest things I think about the South Rim is seen those giant elk. Great wildlife sightings. They are. I saw them one time very early in the morning. We were doing a hike down the canyon. And so we wanted to try to get up early and out before it got too hot. And I was going to our car at 530 in the morning. And we come out of the lodge and there's these elk like eating grass right there, right in front of the lodge. And I swear, they looked like elephants. They say they can get up to 700 pounds. They seemed a lot bigger than the elk that we see in Yellowstone, which is surprising because you would think that Yellowstone would have, you know, the biggest ones. But yeah, they were they were monsters. Yeah. Now, the, these particular elk, at least the website says that they have become accustomed to people. And the reason for this is they're not well adapted to that high desert area. And so what they do is they hang around the lodges in that that developed area where there's grass that's being irrigated and and vegetation that's being irrigated. And they also say that because it's hard to find water on the South Rim, that they'll even hang around the water fountains and drink out of the puddles underneath the water fountains. And so I'm, I'm saying this because they will get a lot closer to humans than they probably should. And so you just have to be careful around them. And of course, humans will get too close to them, as we've seen before. Yeah. And that leads me, Matt, to my pop quiz question. Oh, you have a pop quiz? (laughs) I had to hide it from you so you wouldn't look up the answer. (laughs) Actually, I think you might already know this answer. Let me find it here. Hold on. Okay. Matt. Karen. What is the most dangerous animal in Grand Canyon National Park? Well, the most dangerous animal... (laughs) (laughs) whatever i say is going to be wrong i would say it's the rattlesnake that's a good guess do you know what it is bison rock squirrel the rock squirrel Uh uh-huh and you know why yeah because they'll attack you they know that you have food you're a food source you got to watch out for those attack squirrels in Grand Canyon National Park. They're they're vicious. So the squirrels <laughs> don't just attack you. I, they always want to attack you. I, I don't know what you're doing that's causing this <laughs> aggressive behavior. Now, the reason that they're the most dangerous animal is because people feed them. And while people are holding out their hand with food, the squirrels bite them. They're not uh, they're not randomly attacking people as they walk through uh, the village. They can also smell fear. <laughs> for me, that's yeah. for sure. And they like long blonde hair. <laughs> they do seem to gravitate towards me in every single park we go to. Yeah, you're putting out some kind of pheromone. <laughs> When you see a squirrel that says, attack me. It says, I'm terrified. (laughs) I saw one almost get on your shoulder once. (laughs) Well, I I was eating my granola bar. I wasn't feeding them at all. I I don't even like them near me. I know. And you couldn't see him. And I wasn't going to say anything because you would freak out. And he was looking, literally looking over your shoulder at your granola bar. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the rock squirrel. The rock squirrel. They're very aggressive. They are everywhere. And they are looking for your food. So just... (laughs) Just a heads up. Yeah, don't worry about the rattlesnakes or the bison or the elk. elk. Yeah, it's the The squirrels will bite your ankle. (laughs) They're the ones who are going to get you. All right. All right. So let's wrap this up. 
as we've said, these two rims, the North Rim and South Rim, are incredibly different, and they're going to give you a different experience. Yeah, I think one of the messages here is if you go to the South Rim, you look over the edge of the canyon, you see this incredible sight, don't think that you've seen it all because the North Rim also is a cool place to see. So we we suggest you see them both, not necessarily in the same trip. Right. Uh, And I think that if you have to choose one and you're only going to make one trip to the Grand Canyon, I think we would both agree that that should be the South Rim. Don't you think? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if Mm -hmm. if that's the only place you see, then that's fantastic. Right. And especially if you're bringing kids, there, there is more to do at the South Rim. The North Rim... It's peaceful, it's quiet, you're one with nature, you could sit out on your little cabin porch and read your book, there is not as much to do, so you know, just note those two differences, so it depends on what you are looking for in your park visit. And we'll be doing another episode about Grand Canyon this fall, because we have plans to do a rim-to-rim hike. We finally got all the reservations lined up so we can actually do that. And we're it's, at least it's scheduled for early October. And we'll hopefully do that hike and we'll do an episode about that. Yes, all of our plans finally came together. We were able to get a lottery room at Phantom Ranch, which is key for us because we don't want to do rim to rim in one day. We want to spend the night down at Phantom Ranch. So we got the we have our North Rim cabin, we have our Phantom Ranch reservation, and we have a room at the South Rim when we come up. So we're really excited. We have been trying to do rim to rim since 2011 so so it's been 10 years and finally hopefully yeah knock on wood <laughs> yeah so, and some of these trips actually take that long to actually get all your reservations lined up so you'll be able to take another wish out of your wish bucket Thanks for joining us today. Next week, we'll be back with a mailbag episode that's jam-packed with interesting questions. That's right. But let's talk about summer for a minute. Okay. We should mention that we'll be taking a bit of a summer break. We'll still have some episodes coming out in June, July, and August, but not every Thursday. So be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. Or follow us on Spotify, and that way you'll automatically get our episodes when they come out. And speaking of summer break, if you're looking for a good beach read, a lake read, a mountain read, or a backyard read, whichever you do, check out all our Dear Bob and Sue books on Amazon. You can travel with us during the summer and not ever leave your lounge chair. Our books are available in paperback, Kindle, or as audiobooks. That's all from us. It's beer mat time and, and beer Karen time. <laughs> beer bob time. Beer, beer bab. Beer bab time. Beer bab time.